0: What's good? <laughs> Yo, um, I am enjoying the energy um, in the room. Um, it's taking me back to um, 2005 when I was a student at the University of Missouri, Columbia. Um, I am old. Um, <laughs> um, and so, but yeah, I remember being a college student sitting in a room like this at a crew meeting, and um, there was uh, the campus leader was at the front, and he was sharing the gospel from John 10.10, 10, where he says that, uh, Jesus said, I came that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly. And it was funny, because every time he said life, he was like, life! Like, Jesus came that you would have life! Like, that's what it means to have um, abundant life. I can't believe I just did that. Um, but, <laughs> but that's what he did. And I remember as he was talking about this abundant life, that Jesus came for us to have, like my whole body just seemed like it was on fire. Um, And at the end of the time, he just kind of uh, invited those who were far from the Lord to make a decision for Christ. And unfortunately, I didn't raise my hand that day. Um, And the reason why I didn't raise my hand that day was because everybody thought I was a Christian. Um, (laughs) I was a leader with a campus ministry on our campus um, that was in partnership with Crew called the Impact Movement. And I was scared to raise my hand because I didn't want to be exposed. Um, but in, deep down in my heart, I knew that I was far um, from, from the Lord. Um, and it's because I, you know, I grew up in church and I heard about Jesus and what he had did for me. But I didn't understand what that meant for my life. And even though I gave my life to the Lord a couple of years later, it wouldn't be until much, much later that it started to make sense to me, like how the gospel changes everything in a person's life. And so I'm really excited when I was on the phone with Julian, and he was talking about how you guys have been doing this gospel and uh, series, and I was like, yo, that's so dope, cuz, you know, um, getting all hype on the phone. Um, And the reason why I got so excited was was because I remember the first time the gospel became practical um, to me. And when I started to realize, like, the implications that it, it had it had for my life. Like I said earlier, I understood the cross, I understood that Jesus died and he paid the penalties for my sins so that I could go to heaven. But um there were and I knew the do's and don'ts, but there was still a lot um that I didn't understand about how like the gospel transforms a person's life. And so it didn't all come together for me until I was on the phone with this woman raising support. That's that's funny. Um, and um, yeah, you know, they, you gotta do that if you wanna go um, on missions. And so I was on the phone with this lady raising support and while I'm on the phone with her, she is scolding me um, because of how I've gone about connecting with her. And there was a part of me that just really wanted to like buck up and say, you are wrong. Okay. Like I, I have not done anything wrong and to justify myself. But right during that same week, I was reading a Bible study on, um, uh, it was called who I am in Christ. And the study of that week was, I am justified. That a part of who I am in Christ is that I am justified. And so I remember just a spirit whispering to me like, Yana, you do not have to justify yourself in this moment. And the reason why you don't need to justify yourself in this moment is because you have been justified in Christ. And so I just start bawling, <laughs> you know, like on the phone. And she thinks I'm bawling because, you know, she hurt my feelings or something like that. But no, it was like a real life-changing moment for me when I started to realize like how the gospel changed everything and how it was relevant for every day living. And so I'm really excited that you guys have been going through this series, and I really pray that there have been moments like that where God has been transforming the way that you see yourself, like your identity, your self-understanding, and just even the way that you see the world. And so today, we are going to talk about the gospel and neighboring, Um, and I'm really excited about it um, because we're going to be looking at Luke 10, uh, 25 through 37, and when— when I was when the first the Lord first led me to this passage, it's on the Good Samaritan, and I was like, "Come on, let's let's be a little bit more adventurous than that." <laughs> like, how many sermons you know have people heard on that? But um, God just just really my time in the Word on it was really really good, and so uh, I pray this is just one more drop in your bucket of understanding what the gospel is and its implications um, for your life. So let me pray for us, Jesus. Thank you for your Word it is really, really good. Um, It really is a light into our, into our path, Lord. Um, It, it shows us the way um, to, to living the good life. And so, Father, I do pray uh, that just as you met this uh, lawyer um, in, in his questions, Lord, that you would meet us as well, Lord, and that you would transform our hearts um, by your word. And so, we thank you. It's in Jesus' name I do pray. Amen. Amen. Cool. So Luke 10, 25 through 37, and I will read it for us. Um, Now pay attention because there's going to be a pop quiz at the end. I'm serious. I'm not not joking. Uh, Okay, so it says, then an expert in the law stood up to test him, saying, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He asked him, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live well. But wanting to justify himself, the lawyer asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Jesus took up the question and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell in the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him up, and fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place and he saw him, passed on by the other, on the other side. But a Samaritan on his journey came up to him, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of robbers? The one who showed mercy to him, he said. Then Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So the question on the table, right, that the expert, expert, the lawyer brings to Jesus is, who is my neighbor? Now, does Jesus answer the question? He does? Hmm. Got some got some no's? Jesus doesn't answer the question. <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't answer. The question is, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus' question to him is like, so which one of these guys was a neighbor? Right? And so Jesus, what Jesus is essentially saying is that this, the question isn't who is my neighbor? The question is whether or not you're being a neighbor. Um, that is, that is the question. Um, instead of defining who his neighbor is, Jesus calls him to be a neighbor to those in need because the real isu- issue isn't who you serve. The issue is, do you serve? And so the parable, um, so in this parable, Jesus is actually interpreting, like he's giving his interpretation of the second greatest commandment, Right. And so the first one is to love the Lord your God with all your soul, uh, heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then the second is, like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And so Jesus is saying that the way that you love your neighbor as yourself is to be a neighbor. And so in this passage, we see three things. We see that loving our neighbor—we see three ways that we can love our neighbor. The first is we love our neighbor by viewing them with compassion— the second thing is we love our neighbor through acts of service. And then the third thing is that we love our neighbor by extending mercy. And so we're going to walk through the text and see how these three things come to life. The first way they come to life is in, in verses 30 and 31, right? Um, he said Jesus took this question to him and he said, you know, there was a man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell in the hands of robbers. And then he says they stripped him, they beat him, and, and fled, leaving him half dead. Then a priest comes along, right? And you see the repetition there, it says, when he saw him, he passed to the other side. And then the same thing happens when the Levite comes. He sees him and he goes along to the other side. And so the thing about each of these men is that they were in places of religious authority within the Jewish church. Um, and so if anyone knows the law right and knows what it means to be a neighbor or knows what the 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 the, the command of the second com- wow of the second commandment is right which is to love your neighbor as yourself if anyone should know what that means, it would be these two men right because they are in the temple giving people the word daily and executing like the sacrifices on all of those things, but instead they just pass pie and if for me, when I'm reading that, I'm asking myself the question of, like, why didn't they do anything? Like, why? I mean, they don't just pass by, but, like, they go, like, on the other side of the road. Like, they just want to be far away from him. And the text doesn't really tell us why, but what we do know is that for Jewish people, when they would read uh, this command to love your neighbor as yourself, they always classified their neighbor as another Jewish person, and so it wasn't anybody outside of their community. And so they didn't, they didn't seek to help other people. There was, actually, there was actually a law that went like this. Um, they taught that one was to love all the children of the light who are part of the community, but to hate the children of darkness who stand outside that community. And so we don't know if this is a Jewish man or not, but there's just kind of this looking out for me and mine's kind of mentality. And if you're not me and mine's, then you don't matter, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and that was just kind of kind of their, um, their way of living. And I think it's easy for me to look at the priests and the Levi and to be like, man, they are trash, you know? They are not kind people. Um, however, like, I do the same thing. I do the exact same thing. So I live in Durham, North Carolina, and Durham has a significant homeless population. Um, just about every day, I could, I could say, I see on average maybe six or seven homeless people. Um, and um, there, there are times when I'll be out with a friend and maybe we're getting coffee and we're sitting outside or at lunch with a friend and we're sitting outside and a homeless person will walk by, interrupt our conversation and ask, for money or for something to eat. And after a while, that started to really get on my nerves, (laughs) you know, to the point where um, I went from giving money to, no, I can't help you today, to, why are you in my face? You know, like that was the progression that had been going on um, in, in my heart. And there's this one particular lady, I see her every single day asking people for food. And so I've started to ask myself, like, what, where is she from? Where does she live? She, she looks clean every day. Why can't she get a job? You know, just asking all of these questions about, about her life. And in a sense, justifying myself, right? I'm justifying, like, myself and saying, like, I don't need to give her money today because somebody else is going to give her money, you know, or I don't need to give her money today because I gave her money yesterday and I don't really know what she's doing with her life, you know, and why does she keep asking people for money what I love about the Samaritan is that when he sees this man, he doesn't, he doesn't ask any questions. He's just immediately moved with compassion. He doesn't pass any sort of judgment on him um, or anything like that. He doesn't say like, yo bro, why did you walk down this road by yourself? Don't you know this dangerous? This is a dangerous road that went from, uh, that, that he was on, but instead he still walked on it. But the Samaritan looks at him with compassion. And I think he's able to do this is because he sees his humanity, right? He's another human in need. And then he also sees the tragic tragic position that he's in. And so he's moved. But he's not just moved on the inside. Like he doesn't just have warm, fuzzy feelings. But he's actually moved to do something about it. And so I don't know about you, but sometimes I see things and I'm like, man, that's really sad hmm, okay,
1: you know, like, and you
0: just kind of, it's like you have a moment of silence, and then you just kind of move on with your life, but that's not what the Samaritan does. He, he moves towards this man, and so not only does he have compassion on him, um, but he also, like, serves him, and so we love our neighbor through acts of service, and so he does all of these things. Um, the text says that he goes over to him, so here it is, everybody else went to the other side, right, But he stops what he's doing and he goes over to the man to get close to him. And then he bandages up his wounds. And um, some commentators uh, think that he actually tore off like pieces of his clothing to bandage up his wounds. Um, And then he pours his olive oil on this man's womb to alleviate some of his pain, and then he pours in the wine so that he doesn't get an infection um, from that. And wine's wine's costly, you know; it's not cheap, cheap things. And then he puts this man on his own animal, and that mile, that road that they were on were about seventeen miles. So he's choosing: I'm going to walk, and I'm going to put this man on my my animal um, so that he can rest. And then he takes him to an inn, and then he stays with him overnight to take care of him. He uses all of his resources, everything that he has at his disposal to care for this man in need. He don't even know him. It's not like this man, he's half dead. So he can't say what his name is. He can't tell him his story, his background, or anything like that. But he chooses just to enter in and take care of this man. And we know that this man cannot pay him back. Why? Because he's just been robbed. Right? So he knows that he's not gonna get anything in exchange for this service that he's gonna do for him. But he still does it. And he doesn't stop there because then the next day he gets up and he goes to the innkeeper and he gives him two denarii. Now, we don't really know what that means, right? <laughs> like, what is that? Um, but um, it's two days worth of uh, wages. So think about you work an eight, an eight hour job. Let's say you get paid $15 an hour, and you do that over two days, that's $260. That's my phone bill. That's, uh, that's gas, <laughs> you know. Like that's, that's a lot of money, you know. And here it is. He offers that up to pay for room and board for this man while he's gone. And that provided him 21 days of stay in this inn. And then he just tells him, I'll be back, and if there's more money that is required, I, I will pay it. So let me ask you this. When's the last time you've went out of the way for someone that you didn't know? I mean, really, when is even the last time that you went out of your way for someone that you claimed to love? A couple of weeks ago, um, I, I, realized, I realized something about me, myself, and it's that I have an idol uh, of, of, of my time. And when people inconvenience my time, um, I'm, not, I'm not really like quick to serve. And so that had happened several times that week. I, I live in Durham, and I leave, I've chosen to live in East Durham because it's a um, lower-income area. Um, it's very much like the neighborhood that I grew up in, and I want to— like be a neighbor <laughs> in that neighborhood and I get so many opportunities, but this week I was not feeling the opportunities um, <laughs> at all. And one of them was getting a phone call at six in the morning, six o'clock in the morning to pick up my little friend Kenora and take her to the bus stop because she, um, she, anyway, that's a long story. We would have some issues with the buses. So I'm like, really? what's how you got to be there? She like, I got to be there at 6 30. I'm like, wow, I'm still in the bed. Okay. So, all right. Yep. And so I'm like pouting with the Lord, like, I don't want to get up. I don't want to do it. And so, um, and me and my roommate were like, who's going to do it? Rocks, paper, scissors, whatever. Um, she couldn't do it. She had to go to work. So I get up and I take Kenora to the bus stop. Sure enough, we missed the bus. I was like, wow, this is great. So I gotta drive you to school. Um, <laughs> and you're, you're inconveniencing my day, um, was kind of what I was thinking. And then I had a friend who um, just is, is struggling with some loneliness, right? And she wanted to come over to the house for dinner. And I was like, I don't really have time for you. Like, I have things that I need to do, um, but, But my roommate said yes on our behalf, and we're going to talk about that later. But she said yes. She said yes on my behalf. And then that joker didn't show up to, like, cook dinner, so then I had to cook dinner. And so it was just—it was bad. (laughs) It was really, really bad. And the Lord was like, why are you not willing to inconvenience yourself for people that you say you love? Why aren't you able to do that? And then I started to realize that my time is an idol, um, and it keeps me from serving others. And even when I maybe do say yes and serve others out of obligation, it keeps me from serving others with joy um, and, with, and, and in love. And so what's that for you? What's that idol that keeps you from being able to serve others? Maybe it could be your need to achieve, you know? I can't, I can't do the after-school tutoring program because, you know, I got I to gotta study, <laughs> you know? Um, who cares about kids having to know how to read? Figure it out, <laughs> you know? Um, that's not funny. Um, but I realized I said it in a really funny way, <laughs> but, but yeah, what is that thing that keeps you from completely like surrendering your life to the Lord and like putting your yes on the table, like having open hands with him, that my time is your time. I was at a church and one of the things that, um, the pastor would say all the time is he would say, Yana, we're blessed to be a blessing. We're blessed to be a blessing. And that's what this Samaritan does. He uses the things that he's been blessed with to be a blessing to someone else. And Jesus says that if we desire to be his disciples, that we must lose our life so that we might gain it. And he also says that if we hold on too tightly to our lives, we will literally crush it and it will turn into dust. That's my interpretation of it. And he also says that whoever gives up his life To follow him will receive a great reward. And so, yes, following Jesus is hard, but it truly is worth it. His commands are not burdensome to us. His commands give us life. And his command to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and our neighbor as ourself, that is costly. It requires sacrificial living. It also requires that we have some margin in our lives. Sometimes I'm not able to serve other people because I've, I've, I mean, my mom gets on me about this. She was like, you plan out every minute of your day. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> um, I do. <laughs> it's cause I'm a control freak, but it's okay. <laughs> you know, but like, how do I have more margin in my time? You know, or even margin in my finances. And I know y'all are like, yo, we ain't got a whole lot of money, but you know, um, every, every month I set aside a little bit of money just for extra giving, you know, opportunities that maybe God would invite me to be generous. And so I just have a little extra so that I can do that, that willingly. And then sometimes I don't have a little extra and God's still calling me to do it, you know. Um, But to, to, to love our neighbor well is to be willing to meet their needs. Loving our neighbor well is also extending mercy to them. And mercy in this in this, when he says, you know, which one of them was a neighbor to him, which one of them proved to be a neighbor to him, he says, the one who showed mercy to him. Mercy is to show kindness or goodwill towards the miserable and afflicted. And so then Jesus says to him, to this lawyer, he says, go and do like this Samaritan. Go and do likewise. Likewise. Now the fact that Jesus is using a Samaritan in this text is 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 um a little offensive <laughs> if you are a Jewish lawyer um, because Samaritans during that time were were hated by by Jews. But Jesus is saying like, if you want to inherit eternal life, then you must do like this Samaritan. You must be a neighbor to others. Now I'm not preaching works salvation. Jesus isn't preaching works salvation here, because if we are to say that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and strength, and we are saying that we are devoted to him um, in a place where we have put our love, um, we have set our love and our affections on him, and we have uh, come to a place of faith in him. And so love and faith are, are can be used synonymously um, here, but what he's saying is, is that Salvation, so yes, so salvation is by grace through faith. Um, but that faith is expressed through our devotion to God and our love for others. But so this is what this is what Jesus is, is saying here. And so when, when, when Jesus is, uses this Samaritan, you know, you got the priest and the Levi who didn't understand or obey the second commandment, but you have this Samaritan, this outsider, this one who's not allowed to worship in the temple because his blood is mixed, he's, he's, he's a half-breed. He's half-Jewish and he's half-Gentile. He's half so he's not able to worship in the temple. But Jesus is saying, this one that you hate, he will inher- inherit eternal life because of his love for me and my love for neighbor. And so even in that, Jesus is saying, like, your neighbor is everybody, regardless of whether or not they're a Jew. Your neighbor is is everyone, uh, even even the one that you hate, and so when I think about um, this text, it's really easy for me to kind of start to put this responsibility on me, right? That that I need to be a better a better neighbor, and that's not really the intention that that I want you to to leave with tonight. Um, but I would say this: that Jesus is the greater Samaritan, um, and what we see in even the book of Luke. Go back and read it later. Like, we see Jesus being a neighbor to everybody that he comes in contact with. I mean, he goes to Peter's house, and here it is. His, his mother is sick, and I don't know if she got, like, a common cold or if she, like, really, really sick. I don't know. It just says she had a fever, and Jesus goes over to her, and he relieves her of this fever, and then you see this story where Jesus is walking in this city, and there's this woman who is wailing over her dead son. And it's her, it's her last son. She's, she's already a widow. And so she's wailing over, over her son. And Jesus looks at this woman, and he has compassion on her. And so he moves over towards her and then raises her son from the dead. And because of what's going on, because of what it means to be a widow in that time time, uh, in history, Jesus is doing a really compassionate and thoughtful thing. Uh, Because now this woman doesn't have to worry about where her food's gonna come from. She doesn't have to worry about uh, where her place is, is gonna be in society. Like she has some sort of sense of security. And so Jesus is the greater Samaritan. And we see in Philippians 2... One, um, that it's the gospel that, is, it, that should compel us to live this kind of life. And so Paul writes this. He says, if, there, if then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in the Spirit, intent on one purpose— Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Do nothing to elevate yourself um, or to be conceited. But in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. And then he says, adopt the same attitude. In the other translations say, adopt the same mindset. That Jesus Christ had, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself out by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. This is what Jesus has done for us. And Paul is saying, if you find any encouragement <laughs> in what Christ has done for you, take on his attitude of humility, and, t- and don't look out for your own interests, but look out for the interests of others. And so what does this look like for you as a college student? I know what it looked like for me as a college student. One of the, one of the ways it looked like for me was, I was a junior, I had my own room, I was living my best life, okay? Um, <laughs> And it was great. And then there was this freshman student who lived down the hall from me. And I remember, I was like, man, I remember what it was like to be a freshman. It was, it was a little weird, you know. Um, it's okay. You, it, it, gets, it gets less awkward if you're a freshman. Um, but I was like, I remember what it was like. And I would see her in the dining hall, and she would be eating by herself. So she didn't have any friends, you know. And so I just started to get lunch and dinner with her. It's not that I didn't have my own friends, <laughs> you know. But it was, it was a way for me to uh, exhibit compassion towards her and kindness towards her in a way to serve her. Um, praise God that later, much, much later, she came to know the Lord. That's amazing. But, but in, the, in, the, in the midst of it, my first inclination was like, man, how can I be a friend to her? You know? So you all talk about how you want to be a caring community, right? Uh, and I hope that that goes outside of these walls. I hope that it goes out of the Thursday time slot. You know, and that you have eyes of compassion, that you're able to see the people around you who maybe are lonely um, uh, or who need help. I remember I tutored, I tutored a girl in chemistry, um, and she was a, she was a Muslim uh, student there. And so she was, very, she was living much, very much in isolation. So we would walk around on campus together, people would be like, what's going on? With black girl, or Muslim, okay, what's going on here? You know, but, but it, was, it was a way for me to serve her. You know, so I just encourage you to have your eyes open, um, to not be so busy um, with your friends and to be too busy with your quiet time in the coffee shop, you know, that you're not seeing other people um, around you. And I know in the next couple of weeks, you're going to get an opportunity to think about some ways that you can spend your summer. Um, And I'm going to say, like, just go. Just do it. Um, You lose nothing (laughs) in doing it. Um, I remember I've been on, like, so many summer projects because I was on staff with crew for a little bit. I probably should have said that earlier. I was on staff for a crew um, for for a little bit. And... um, even as a staff person, every time the Lord changed my heart, um, and it was through serving other people. So, just encourage you to to say yes to that. So, um, let's be let's be good neighbors. Amen. Amen. Cool. Let me pray. Um, Jesus, thank you for your word, um, Father. If we're honest. Like sometimes your word is just challenging. Um, and we want to say yes to it, and we want to live it out, but we we don't really know how, um, or we're scared, or um, we're stubborn. Um, we we want to continue to live life the way that um, has been beneficial for us. Um, we want to hoard our comforts. Um, but, Father, I do pray that just like Jesus laid it down, um, laid his life down for us, Lord, that we would lay our lives down for others, Lord, that we would be compelled um, by your love to no longer live for ourselves, um, but to live for you, um, the one who died for all so that all might die. Um, In Jesus' name I do pray, amen.